Music. Entertainment. Forces Life. The Forces Station. This is Team Talk. Hello and welcome to Team Talk. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jill, and we're back with you here on BFBS for another series. A lot's changed since we last spoke in July, but the Forces world is continuing to rise to the challenges that are thrown at us and take things in our stride. And that's what this series of Team Talk is all about. We'll be uncovering the untold stories from the pandemic, celebrating the silver linings and hearing how family life has been for you. So, wherever you are in the world and whatever life looks like right now, if you need a pick-me-up, a virtual hug or a fresh perspective on COVID-19, you've come to the right place. Each week we're going to kick things off by delving into just one of the many stories that have come up from the surreal world of COVID. First up, we're exploring employment anxiety. Hundreds, if not thousands of jobs have been lost over the last few months. Had anyone even heard the word furlough before April? Well, if you're a former member of the armed forces and now without work, perhaps rejoining the military could be the answer. Nikki Smith has been finding out. BFBS. Team Talk. This is my station. This is the Forces Station. If you'd asked me back in March, what would I want to be doing in in September if I rejoined the Air Force, then this is exactly what I'm doing now. Former Wing Commander and now Squadron Leader Gordon Ferguson is back after a three-year absence and stationed at RAF Wittering as Senior Air Traffic Controller. He was working at Heathrow Airport when the pandemic happened. So initially um, we were put on furlough uh, and we, at the beginning of the year, I was also questioning um, whether with the delay to Heathrow expansion did I want to continue Um, and furlough gave me an opportunity to reevaluate my work-life balance Um, and very early in the process um, I looked onto the reservist web page I sent in my CV uh, and very quickly got into discussion about uh, roles that I could come back into. Have you missed anything about being in the military? 31 years is a lot, you know, it's it's the majority of your working life. I miss the teamwork, I miss the banter. Uh, It's not quite the same in the commercial world. There were opportunities to remain at Heathrow, but uh, if I am honest with myself, I I was working for the redundancy because I kind of had my heart set on coming back into uh, the Royal Air Force. Is there one thing that makes you feel that you have done the right thing going back? What they say is factually correct because we've all been through the same thing. You just pick up where you left off because we've all gone through the same training. We've all gone two year, three year tours and moved on. And, you know, if that's the one thing between the military and the civilian, you know, civilian world, there isn't that understanding and bond. Squadron leader Gordon Ferguson obviously feeling that he has made the right move. So is it really that simple going back in? Flight Lieutenant Chris Thornton, SO3 rejoiners from RAF Cranwell. Uh, it's even easier, should I say, <laughs> hesitant to say, uh, to rejoin <laughs> uh, as a, um, once you've been in because you're a known quantity. So you, you've generally passed all your uh, security clearances, you're generally quite fit and you are subject to everything else that you would 
would have had when you were a regular in previous service. So you do get your married quarters, you do have a pension, the pay is the same, so you come back in on the same terms that you left on and you're subject to the same sort of workforce elements that you would have when you, when you left. Have you seen an increase in applications? We have seen an increase in certain branches and trades, uh, such as, uh, for instance, obviously BA, some telecoms industries. There's various other industries that have made people redundant due to uh, because of COVID. We are seeing a, like a, a natural trend of people wanting to come back into the Royal Air Force uh, in any case. So I think without COVID, uh, we would still have received a, a reasonably high number of people wanting to rejoin. But if people are listening to this and thinking, do you know what? I'm struggling with Civvy Street. I wouldn't mind going back in. Uh, how would they go about it? So you, you apply online, RAF rejoiners. Let's say between three weeks and three months, we can have someone back into the Royal Air Force on the front line doing the job that they did previously. This is BFBS Team Talk. The Forces Station. Flight Lieutenant Chris Thornton, SO3 rejoiners from RAF Cranwell. Now, maybe you're listening thinking, hang on, I had no idea the process was that simple to rejoin. I certainly wouldn't have imagined it would be that easy or that fast. Our reporter, Nikki Smith, can tell us more. Now, we started by hearing squadron leader Gordon Ferguson's story. Or should I say Fergie? Because that's what all his mates in the RAF know him as. Yes, definitely. And do you know what? The the actual vibe I got from Fergie was that he was absolutely over the moon to be back in the military. I think, you know, from listening to him talking, he sounded like he struggled in Civvy Street. He just sounded like it was a lot of effort. And when he eventually went back into the military he knew what he was doing it was like putting on an old pair of slippers it did feel like coming home I felt like he'd been welcomed back with open arms and he was really glad to be there yeah and you know he's doing it away from his wife and his family they've all grown up but he said he doesn't mind that he he actually is thinking of it now as a job rather than a career so I think he's got a different mindset but I, at the same time he's really enjoying it and feels less pressured and at the end of the interview he said he's more than happy. Nikki, thanks so much for finding out about it for us. Now, if this has sparked an interest for you, or maybe it's reignited that fire in your belly, or it's just a solution you've realised when you're now facing unemployment due to the pandemic, if you go into any search engine online, type in Rejoining British Armed Forces, all the relevant pages will come up. BFBS. The Forces Station. This is Team Talk. Let's keep going with this positivity. We all need a boost right now, so... Cast your mind back to spring 2020. Coronavirus is sweeping across the world, affecting so many people. Infection rates and hospitalizations were growing and the strain on the NHS was becoming overwhelming. Imagine the pressure and the weight that's being carried by doctors and nurses up and down the country. And now imagine a space where they could go after a really busy shift to relax and wind down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board. We ask you on entering the lounge to ensure that hands are sanitised. Please take note of your nearest exit, bearing in mind that this exit may be behind you. We do ask that social distancing guidelines are followed at all times whilst in the lounge. Finally, just sit back, relax and let us take care of you. 
That could be the safety brief when entering one of the Project Wingman lounges situated in NHS hospitals across the UK. It's a brilliant initiative thought up by military spouse Emma Henderson. I was very lucky to be introduced to somebody else who, like me, had seen that the downturn in the industry was going to leave a lot of aircrew furloughed and on the ground and wanting things to do. And at the same time, the news was full of the pressures that were going to be on the NHS. And I thought there had to be something we could do to help the NHS. So we formed Project Wingman, which is basically a group of furloughed, grounded, now some redundant aircrew, who we sent into hospitals to provide wellbeing support in what became first class lounges. So the original idea was to go and provide a really very simple concept, which was tea and empathy. And it was just the idea of making a cup of tea for somebody who's coming off a long shift. Just that simple act of kindness of not having to get that drink for yourself when you've been spending a long time in a busy ward caring for really sick people. That's made such a big difference to people. Lieutenant Colonel Tessa Greaves is the CEO of Frimley Park and is a huge supporter of Project Wingman, so much so that she had to get them on board. Just at the time when the Deputy Chief Executive Janet King had said to me, how do the military support their staff and well-being through sort of pandemics like this? Because she was looking for something to help her staff. And I said, why don't you take a look at this Project Wingman? It's been fantastic. And you can see the staff to be able to come into an environment and be welcomed by a nice, friendly member of staff, not medical, who just ask them about them and how their day's going, not talking about patients. They can just sit and be fed a cup of tea and given some refreshments, chill out in a beanbag for 10 minutes, just refreshes them. I think probably the most positive bit of feedback I got was from a member of staff who said that they went and spent 10 minutes in the lounge and because they got such lovely support from the staff, it stopped them going home and basically crying all night. That's the impact that Project Women had. Emma Gauntlet followed in her RAF dad's footsteps and also took to the skies as a pilot. But like many, because of COVID, her future was at risk. She used her time whilst furloughed to become head of donations at Project Wingman, which at the start was quite the challenge. Being a group of pilots and cabin crew, it's not like we work in a wider business community where we know lots of people, or we work with lots of other companies. We very much just get our passengers from A to B. So it was difficult at first because we didn't have those networking skills that people perhaps in a wider business sense might do. But once we started to make those contacts and we became more known as a charity and people started coming to us and that made it a lot easier. We worked with some really, really awesome companies, one of which supply magazines, newspapers, etc., for high-end hotels, airlines, and where their customers had been furloughed. They found that they had a surplus of newspapers and magazines, which they wanted to put towards the NHS. And it was really lovely because it meant that nurses and doctors who perhaps didn't have the time to read a magazine or even pick up their newspaper were able to have those 15 minutes out in their day to read them. Tea and coffee and biscuits was probably the most important thing. Trying to encourage a doctor or a nurse to take five to ten minutes out for themselves during the peak of COVID was really difficult. I think they felt the weight of the world on their shoulders. So you could see that they were like, okay, maybe then. And then the moment they were sat in our lounge and they had the tea and the biscuit, you can kind of see their shoulders relax. Team Talk. Oh, doesn't hearing that make the world feel like a place you want to be despite everything that's going on? So touching. Thanks to our Team Talk reporter, Chris Keane. 
Project Wingman has been so well received by so many within the NHS, they're now planning to continue their service right into the future and beyond coronavirus. If you'd like to find out any more about the project, you can find them on social media or head to their website, projectwingman.co.uk. In the last series of Team Talk, we loved hearing the military stories of you, our listeners and forces community. So, back by popular demand, it's family time. And just a heads up, in case it would be helpful, our wonderful guest Emma is really open about her experience of fertility and miscarriage. Hello and welcome to Family Time. My name's Louise and I'm the founder of the charity Little Troopers. We support the children and the families of the British Armed Forces. In Series 1, we spoke to 13 amazing military families and we are so excited to be back. Obviously, a lot has changed. We're no longer huddled around the microphone to record. We're all virtual at home. But this series, we're set to talk to more military families and learn about their pandemic experience. Emma, welcome and thank you for being our first guest. How are you doing? Uh, we're okay. We have a very small person. So, yes. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. So, let's just be clear there is a very tiny baby that is snuggling into you right now. So, if there is any gurgling or any sounds, it's not my stomach. It's the new baby. So listen, tell us about your military journey today. What is your military story? So I've been with my now husband 10 years. We met, we got married really quickly. So you weren't from a military family. No. You were a completely civilian family. 100%. So do you live in married quarters? What's your military setup at the moment? So we did do military quarters initially for three years and um, my husband got posted while I was at university so we actually went married unaccompanied so that I could have um, my family around me to help with childcare. Well that was supposedly going to only be for the length of my university course and it never stopped. I mean it sometimes sometimes works for people in married quarters but sometimes it works better unaccompanied and there's so many families that are unaccompanied around the world so many. So you've got married, you've had George, you've lived in quarters, you've moved back to being in your own home. Yeah. All this while you're doing your nursing degree at university. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, then you graduated yeah. in 2017, is that right? Yep, that was it. That's amazing. So you've got a career, you've got your little boy, you've got a husband that's a soldier. You're juggling so much. You don't do things by halves. <laughs> no, did not make life easy. Um, I've um, worked in emergency medicine, so I worked in A&E when I qualified um, and did nearly a year there. And then I moved to an acute medicine ward, which is kind of the next step on from A&E. Um, still very intense, very much um, the front door of the NHS. And yeah, very full on. <laughs> so when George had reached five, you decided you wanted to have more children and expand mm -hmm. your family. But that didn't quite go as you had envisaged, unfortunately, did it? No. Um, so John came back from Estonia and we found out very quickly that we were expecting again. Um, sadly, uh, about a week later, we found out we'd lost that baby. Um so kind of dusted ourselves off and kind of parked it as one of those really unfortunate but unfortunately really common things that happens. Um, found out again in 
September of last year that I was expecting again. Again, really excited, kind of thought, well, we've had one miscarriage. It, it certainly won't happen two times in a row. That's That'd be, you know, really unfair. And then sadly, unfortunately, at seven weeks, we found out we'd lost that pregnancy as well. Um, that one was definitely, definitely hit both of us a lot, lot harder. It's really tough, isn't it? People people think it's going to be so straightforward, mm. especially if the first was straightforward. It's almost <laughs> yeah. in your mindset of, we've done this, we can do this again. And to have it happen once is mm. devastating. Like you said, you kind of took it in your stride, which is very admirable. But for the second time, and obviously that hit you. I think it broke John and I. So I kind of thought, let's have a year off. Let's do life, you know, this amazing job opportunity came up. So I applied for that. And we just kind of thought, let's do life. Let's do fun stuff and kind of parked it. But you didn't manage to park it for long, did you? Because a few months later, you had a nice surprise finding out you were pregnant on Boxing Day. It wasn't in the plan. It was in the bigger plan, but it wasn't the immediate plan. I think we'd parked that idea, like I said, for a year or so. Kind of thought, let's just do work. And, um, yeah. I bet it did come with some nervousness, though. You know, after what you've been through, you're only two or three months after your second miscarriage. Was that difficult? Kind of just accepted, you know what, we've had two, we'll probably lose the third. And that's a really um, challenging kind of emotion to sit with. Uh, So... And we found there was a heartbeat and that was amazing. Went for the 12-week scan and everything looked wonderful. And kind of expected the um, nerves to die down. Uh, Unfortunately for me, they didn't. I actually suffered quite bad uh, perinatal anxiety. Um, Definitely didn't help because at 21 weeks pregnant, I caught COVID. Oh my gosh. Fortunately, I I got a very weird very mild strain. But that's an added worry. You're already concerned. You're already a little bit anxious because obviously the the losses before. Was there any concerns with the pregnancy because you had had COVID? Um, They were quietly cautious, I think, would be how they approached it. It definitely added a, oh, okay moment to all of the midwives and doctors that looked after me. Because it's uncharted territory. We've not been here before with this. Yep. So Alexander really is your rainbow baby. He is. He came in coronavirus times, so he really is amazing. And so are you. You're so inspiring. I've really, really <laughs> loved listening to you today. Thank you for being so open. Um, earlier in October, it was Baby Loss Awareness Week, and we feel really wonderful to be able to talk about this topic and meet your rainbow baby, Alexander, who's gorgeous. But we are still in the midst of coronavirus. So we are asking all of our guests this series, what would your one piece of advice be for another military family on surviving this pandemic? Um, Talk. Just talk to each other, whether it's on FaceTime, whether you have to text each other. So, yeah, communicate to each other. That's great advice. So looking at your experience of lockdown, is there a special song that would sum it up for you? Oh, um, Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. It's kind of been our go-to since day dot. It kind of came on in our first date and it was our first dance at our wedding. It was on my playlist when I went into labour with Alexander. So it's it's just ours. And I don't want the world to see me 
Emma, her rainbow baby Alexander, and the Goo Goo Dolls with Iris. Thank you to Emma for sharing with us her experience of being pregnant during the pandemic and giving birth to her second child after two miscarriages. As Louise said, Baby Loss Awareness Week is in October and it's important to recognise that people's fertility journeys continue despite the pandemic. To learn more about this topic, I spoke to Katie McGarry from Mumborn Every Minute. She knows all about military life. Before retraining as a midwife, she was a nurse in the RAF and her husband's in the army. Katie now uses her skills to empower women and their partners. Some people might think, oh, hypnobirthing, that's a bit airy-fairy or a bit hippie. It's quite far from that. Fundamentally, it is a full antenatal course. To be in control, to have calmness, to have confidence, to have comfort and to have choice is so, so important. If you as a couple have preparation in your, in your pregnancy, regardless of what kind of birth you end up having, you are more likely to have a positive experience because you have allowed the natural hormones that we have got in Bill already to do their job. Katie mainly works with couples from the military community and she told me about one father who played an important role even though he wasn't actually there to hold his wife's hand as their child came into the world. The dad-to-be had to go away with the army. He had recorded a couple of relaxations. She went into labour and she popped her headphones in. Regardless of her husband not physically being there, his voice was still there and still kept her calm as that trigger of relaxation. There can be added stress during pregnancy when a couple has previously experienced the loss of a baby. So many women that I've spoken to will say, I feel like I should be happy because I'm now pregnant again and I now have this chance to have a baby. The feelings and the emotions that come in, such as anxiety and fear and helplessness, are completely normal. No couple expects to experience loss. And I use the word couple because a lot of the support um, is geared very much towards the woman, but there is also another person who's also brokenhearted. You're going through a grieving process, so the emotions of guilt and confusion as to why this has happened and the anxiety is completely normal. When a global pandemic suddenly arrives during your pregnancy, it's bound to be a little unsettling. When COVID-19 hit and they would have been thinking, oh my goodness, I can't have my partner there or I'm bringing my baby into the world where everything's gone crazy. And all these thoughts that would have naturally came into their minds, first of all, it's completely understandable to think like that. So when these emotions and feelings come in, not to be angry with yourself for feeling that way, Although there are some local restrictions, you now can, in the antenatal period, have your partner there with you. Partners now are allowed to be at the birth. I must stress that there are local restrictions. Um, Almost turn into a five-year-old and ask lots of questions. If you've given birth in 2020, you might feel disappointed that your maternity leave isn't quite living up to expectations. Katie says there are still ways to connect with other parents and learn skills online. And no, it's not the same as going to a class and making mummy friends. But unfortunately, it's the way it is just now. Don't kind of shy away, like take ownership and get out there and see what there is. There's definitely singing groups. There's um, like reading and uh, sensory play groups. On my website, there is the baby massage course, which is online videos that you can watch as many times as you want. More than anything, it helps the connection between you and your baby. BFBS. This is Team Talk. Katie McGarry with some great advice. You can find details about her courses and the latest guidelines for maternity care during COVID-19 on her website. 
mumbornevery.minute.co.uk. She's also recorded some free guided relaxation to download, and it's not just for pregnant women, but for anyone feeling anxious or overwhelmed, including a special track for key workers. I don't know about you, but I always feel better about how I've coped with 2020 when I hear celebrities and people I look up to saying they've found it tough too. It hasn't been easy for anyone. Comedian, actor, veteran, and the man who taught Strictly's JJ Chalmers how to waltz, Cassidy Little, has been talking to BFBS's Amy Casey about his life and lockdown. My name's Cassidy Little. I'm a former Royal Marine commando. I was a terrible stand-up comedian, and before that, a, a ballet dancer. And then I did a couple tours of Afghanistan, got blown up, and decided to go back to my love of the arts to help me with both rehabilitation, sanity, and if I'm honest, for something to do. It was the first thing and only thing I could think that, well, I might as well go back to this because I loved it. Cass, for people that don't know your story, can you tell us what happened in Afghanistan? Of course. 2011, I was on Herrick 14 uh, on a footborne patrol. Uh, I was the medic on the ground. And unfortunately, one of my colleagues stepped on something called an IED, an improvised explosive device, which killed him, killed our boss, killed our... um, our interpreter and myself, a young man named J.J. Chalmers, survived the explosion. A couple of weeks later, I woke up in Birmingham, minus a leg and a few other uh, injuries, uh, everything from a broken, smashed up hips to, uh, to a brain injury. And um, yeah, and, and hit the reset button on my life. Getting your mind around everything that had happened to you, when did the focus shift to, OK, this is the situation and now I'm going to use this to help myself? Okay, so this is something that's going to sound, uh, you know, maybe a little bit corny, wishy-washy. I'm sure, Amy, that's not how you're used to hearing me speak, but I'm going to do it anyway. The real secret to rehabilitation here is love. And that is that you need to return to something that you love to do because it allows your brain to get all those good flowing chemicals that comes from doing something that you love. You need to surround yourself with people that loves you unconditionally. And I'm lucky to have people like that in my life. And you focus on something you love to do, which means every day you've got those positive chemicals flying through your brain. And suddenly it doesn't seem so bad that you've been put through a meat grinder. My thing is performing arts. So by focusing on that, I was able for eight years and counting, still staying quite positive. We've seen you on our television talking very passionately about your service. Uh, You've been a great spokesperson for the armed forces. We've seen you dancing. I mean, I know that you love doing it, but you're actually really good as well. We've seen you acting in movies, not just on TV, on Corrie and all that sort of stuff, but also on the big screen. Like, I mean, with Hollywood A-listers. It's really impressive. I don't know. I guess I I got really lucky with my agent. And since then, we have worked tirelessly together to never stop and try your best not to be discouraged. Because I have to be honest, Amy, it's a particularly discouraging industry. Um, It's a question of momentum. When you get momentum going in this industry, it becomes kind of a self-feeding machine. So off the back of things, you start getting more and more things. So when I heard COVID was happening, I thought, this is going to be trouble because I'm going to lose all the momentum I've got. I was then put into the fatality category because of uh, the diabetes that I have from my explosion. And as a result, I ended up having to shield for some time. And so there wasn't even the ability to go out to the supermarket or anywhere. My only outside kind of activity was I would get in my car and I would drive for hours. There was no acting. There was no industry. If I'm honest, Amy, there barely is now. That uncertainty. How did that play with your mental health throughout lockdown? Well, 
<laughs> if I'm honest, I think any caged animal starts getting a little stir crazy. I mean, people like me aren't designed to be bored. When I'm bored, those are the times I start getting myself into trouble. And so mental health can suffer. You know, and a lot of really hard decisions have been made, forced to be made during these times. But we're resilient creatures. Now let's look at some of the the highlights of being in lockdown. I know that you've been able to spend a ton of time with your beautiful family, your little girl, and you had the opportunity to take on a teaching role. How did that work out for you? Like Amy, I'm always going to see this summer as the summer that I got to know my daughter. I will always be able to look back on this summer and say, I spent every day, every hour with my daughter and we played and we fought and I taught her things and she taught me things. The part that's going to change me the most is definitely that bit. There's a couple other kind of cool things that have happened over lockdown. You know, I taught myself how to smoke meat properly, you know, because <laughs> I got, a, you know, I got a smoker. And so uh, you got to know your neighbors every Thursday when you came out and started clapping for the NHS. You kind of looked across the street and went, ah, I didn't know that guy lived there. Hey, man, how you doing? Right. Like, so there's all kinds of kind of cute, fun things that actually happened. I think we can all find those in this kind of really kind of dark time. BFBS, the forces station. This is Team Talk. Find good moments during this dark time. That's the perfect piece of advice from Cassidy Little to end the show on. That's it from us for now. The first episode of Series 2. We've had so many stories from Fergie who did the unthinkable and found job security during a pandemic thanks to rejoining the RAF to the Project Wingman team who have and continue to pamper our NHS frontline staff when they need it most. We also heard from Emma. She shared with us her story about getting pregnant during lockdown and then catching COVID herself, as well as from Katie McGarry from Mumborn Every Minute. Team Talk has been produced by TBI Media and we'll be back next time for more of the same. Until then, take care. See ya.